Welcome to the LDN Radio Show, brought to you by the LDN Research Trust. I'm your host, Linda Elsigood. I have an exciting lineup of guest speakers who are LDN experts in their field. We will be discussing low-dose naltrexone and its many uses in autoimmune diseases, cancers, etc. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to this archived LDN Research Trust conference presentation. We hope you enjoy it. So the, uh, well, you've got the title of my talk, and um, I don't have experience as, uh, using naltrexone not as a, an adjunct. All of my experience is as an adjunct to uh, psychotherapy. Um, uh, we're all familiar with the um, problems with um, the uh, current psychotropic medications used to treat mental health issues, so I'm not going to go into those, uh, those issues. Um, just say that uh, current medical treatments for mental health issues really leave a lot to be desired. And I believe low-dose naltrexone is one of the answers. It won't treat every, it won't fix every problem for every person, but in many cases it'll do for patients what the conventional first-line treatments promise but fail to deliver on with far fewer symptom, uh, side effects and with very little risk. Uh, I'll start with an uh, example of a Vietnam veteran diagnosed with PTSD. He began taking two milligrams of uh, low-dose naltrexone twice a day. It gave him an extra second so he didn't have to blow up on his girlfriend on a regular basis. Helped him with sleep, reduced anxiety. He raised the dose to 3.5 milligrams and just described having a, a, a profound sense of calmness and he won a pool tournament instead of choking at the last minute or under pressure. He raised it another half milligram, and he called me on the phone, and it sounded like a revival meeting. He said, I'm healed, and uh, I, don't, I no longer am waiting for the other shoe to drop all the time. When you use low-dose naltrexone consciously to target mental health issues a bit differently than it's being, t it's, well, when it's used during the day, these kind of testimonials become commonplace. My first LDN client was a 47-year-old woman with PTSD, extreme hypervigilance, and sleep difficulties. 20 minutes after her first three-dose, three-milligram dose, it knocked her out as if she'd taken a tranquilizer, and she slept through the night for the first time in years. And I believe that was because it knocked down the hypervigilance so she could relax and respond normally to being exhausted. After she caught up on a sleep after about two weeks, it just helped her sleep because it knocked down the hypervigilance. Um, she also took it, then she was taking it regularly, and she's taken it regularly for over six years. And it just, it knocks down a kind of a paranoid perseveration anxiety during the day. I'm a non-prescribing professional counselor with 30 years experience in treating trauma and other mental health related issues since 2008. 30, over 35 of my patients have used LDN with approximately 80% reporting positive results. This is the basic outline of what I'm going to go over today. My goal is to just give a general 
description of how to use LDN treating mental health issues. And uh, I won't uh, take a long time on that slide. Um, another case study, and uh, let's see, yeah, I'll just leave it there. It's a 26-year-old veteran, stand multiple tours. He um, is diagnosed with PTSD, reported um, two-week-long bouts of depression. He did a sleep study in which it showed he was waking up 200 times nightly. He did not have sleep apnea. He, be, he was extremely hypervigilant in classrooms. He had to sit, sit uh, with his back to a wall and um, was agitated a lot of the time. He began taking LDN about a month after doing, starting treatment with, with me, and uh, he started taking it at night, five milligrams, which was about 0.06 milligrams per kilogram body weight, and he reported he immediately started sleeping through the night. In um, his words, well, let's see, I go back. Anyway, I'll, I'll just stop there. Anyway, he described um, he didn't have to read as long. It was much easier falling asleep, and he woke up rested. When he started taking LDN during the day, he, uh, it knocked down the hypervigilance, so, and he could concentrate more in the classroom. Going to a duck football game, standing in the raucous student section, instead of being agitated and irritated at uh, other students bumping into him, it was just easier to just let it go. And he started shopping for his groceries during the daytime instead of at night, because he was shopping at night to avoid crowds. And he reported feeling kind of a happy, friendly feeling instead of suspicious and angry. At one point, he stopped taking the daytime dose. Hypervigilance increased. And when he returned to taking naltrexone during the daytime, the hypervigilance went back down. So key to success number one, to treat mental health issues effectively, LDN needs to be taken during waking hours. Let's see. Oh, I'm going backwards. I began exploring LDN as an adjunct to psychotherapy eight years ago after hearing Ulrich describe how he used it to manage dissociation in severely traumatized patients so they could tolerate their trauma treatment with EMDR without dissociating. Since then, I found it can be used as an everyday aid to help manage a variety of mental health issues. And here's just a, a list, I'm not gonna read them all, of symptoms and diagnoses I've treated with LDN. The research, um, there's only one published study. Ulrich mentioned that yesterday, Papa and Voller, and they found it effective. 11 out of 15 patients reported immediate positive effects. Seven described lasting effects. The research on naltrexone is, there's a, a huge body of research on treating opiate and alcohol addiction, and a much, more, a much smaller uh, group of studies focused on mental health issues. And that's just a list of some of the studies. And we can't assume that LDN is going to 
perform identically to uh, high-dose naltrexone. But what that does is in the response to high-dose naltrexone invites us to consider that LDN may work just as effectively as high doses on these mental health issues. It might even work better, and in many cases, I think it does work better. When trying to unpack why LDN is effective treating mental health issues, it's important to consider that the neural, neurological development of children subjected to early neglect and abuse is compromised when they're exposed to trauma and neglect. It, it stunts, um, it's, well, yeah, the brain development stunted so that they grow fewer opioid receptors as a baseline in key brain regions. So this contributes to a constricted emotional response range when confronted with threatening or challenging situations. So the person more quickly dissociates, automatically exaggerating perceptions of threat, fear, and anger, while diminishing the ability to respond rationally and effectively. The default setting appears to be threat mode. An argument can be made that compared to other psychotropics, LDN better supports neuroplasticity, healing, and learning since it does not blunt experience, uh, emotional experience or promote dissociated hypnotic states like SSRIs and benzodiazepines. And it may actually promote quicker, more indelible integration of corrective experiences. And when LDN is discontinued, theoretically, these changes have a better chance of persisting since it doesn't compromise or blunt associative mental, emotional, integrative processes. Key to success number two, primary target when treating mental health issues with LDN are dissociative reactions and hypervigilance that underlie a lot of the mental health issues. Um, I'm just, I'm gonna uh, just share a number of vignettes to illustrate situations uh, I've used LDN in. Socially uh, anxious 60-year-old female with alcoholism, LDN reduced anxiety, self-criticism, depression symptoms, and urges to use alcohol. She stopped obsessing about whether her boss liked her or not. And she typically, typically took LDN in the AM and an hour before leaving work. It helped her deal with loneliness and the temptation to drink when she went home. It didn't cure her alcoholism, but it helped a lot. Panic and excess emotionality. 26-year-old patient with alopecia in this case, a lot of anxiety. Uh, she found it really weird that she could take the heat at work. When everyone else was in panic mode, she could be calm. A 30-year-old survivor of extensive neglect and sexual abuse and in her words, LDN dramatically helped with that sense of, I know I'm triggered and I understand the fact, but I just can't stop being freaked out feeling. And it also has helped my relationship with my husband. I can talk calmly about emotional issues, and I feel like we're approaching problems together. And I'm not, uh, instead of me being hypercritical and sensitive, it also helped with her nightmares. She was having nightmares, kind of re-experiencing type nightmares. 
uh, two or three times a week. It reduced that to once or twice every two months. PMS and PMDD, 27-year-old suffering with panic, anxiety, and PMDD. She reports her doctors tried everything. LDN is the only thing that helped her PMDD. Interestingly, the first time she used it, it didn't affect PMS, symptom, PMS symptoms the first day of PMS, but after that it was much better, and it's continued to be beneficial to her. 45-year-old didn't have to have the fight every month with her boyfriend, and she eventually married him. And same thing with fear of the dark, it helped her. Um, behavioral and substance addictions, 30-year-old female in recovery from polysubstance abuse, diagnosed with PTSD, bipolar 1 with psychosis. The, uh, she'd been on a number of different psychotropic medications. With LDN, her panic and paranoid fears stopped or diminished, and she came into the present moment more fully. It helped her avoid losing lots of money when she gambled, because when she was losing, she could stop. That was her main source of uh, recreation. Key to success number three, ideal dose for effective treatment of mental health issues tends to be 0.06 milligrams per kilogram body weight. I'm just going to um, look at uh, a few disorders uh, that, um, well, most clients respond well, but there are certain situations that we need to show real caution. Uh, it's imperative to rule out dissociative identity disorder, formerly multiple personality disorder. I'm going to go through these slides very quickly. Um, opiate users must discontinue opiate use at least 10 days prior to LDN use. <clears throat> and sometimes, uh, well, yeah, and then you have to start very slowly. Organ transplant patients may be at risk of rejection, though I don't think there's any science behind that assumption. Thyroid medications probably need to be recalibrated, and patients with pre-existing liver damage should be monitored. I mentioned the first patient uh, I showed uh, with alcoholism, she had cirrhosis of the liver. LDN didn't have any effect on it. So what I provide, <coughs> excuse me, I usually am in the position of having to convince a prescriber who knows nothing about LDN. So these are some of the uh, ways I approach them. I provide this information. A letter explaining their rationale for using it with a patient. Start low and slow uh, just to make sure they don't have some reaction because once a patient has had a reaction, then it's really unlikely I'm going to be able to get them to try it again. So, and this, this precaution is it's particularly important with socially isolated, depressed uh, clients. In this case, she was very isolated, severe attachment issues. She began LDN at three milligrams, which is the 0.06 milligram dose. She reported it magnified feelings of agitation and distress, similar to the opiate Percocet. Uh, in hindsight, I should have started her at one milligram or less. I think she was having a, um, she'd had a built-up tolerance to her own endogenous opioids and was experiencing a kind of withdrawal reaction. And it probably also is exacerbated by the increase in oxytocin with nowhere to share the good feelings. Patients should have at least one attached relationship. Our, treat, our primary target is the, man, is the management of hypervigilance 
and dissociation. It's not the autoimmune uh, dysfunction when you're treating mental health issues. Therefore, it's most helpful to take LDN in the morning or afternoon. I provide a chart uh, of dosing. I provide a number of abstracts to just educate physicians uh, about, how, uh, about the research. And I'm also going to mention that Contrave, 13 milligrams of Wellbutrin and 13, I mean 13 milligrams of LDN and 9 milligrams Wellbutrin is now FDA approved. This is an interesting issue. LDN's subtleness, lack of side effects, and non-addictive qualities weirdly can be a drawback because they don't feel anything. Life improves, so they stop taking LDN, and they don't, make, they don't associate the correlation with stopping LDN and then life going back and going south. And I then end up having a conversation indicating, you know, oh, yeah, it just so happened that life just went in the toilet exactly the same time you stop taking LDN. I often have, I have to have this conversation two or three times with patients. I think this compliance issue and relying on an evening-only dose may be the primary reason physicians who treated mental health issues using LDN failed to find it effective. And it's important to have a relationship when you're using it as an adjunct already, as Ulrich has pointed out. I'm going to skip um, those slides about introducing it to clients. Key to success number four, periodic monitoring by a therapist or physician's imperative. Interestingly, clients will go off it right when they need it the most. So some speculations on possible mechanisms of action underlying the mental health benefits from LDN. The big picture, the opioid system plays a central role in defensive dissociative responses, traumatic stress syndromes, and anxiety disorders. It's proposed that a constant partial blockade of mu and delta receptors with LDN causes reduction in the magnitude and quality of dissociative reactions underlying hypervigilance, panic, anxiety, and depression. The individual is then less prone to endorse exaggerated perceptions of threat, defeat, and helplessness. And um, individuals with early trauma are probably going to have a, an even more positive response to LDN than someone that had a, a nice childhood. Uh, LDN is going to reduce inflammation, which affects a whole bunch of physical issues as well as many of the mental health issues. Constant upregulation up of endorphins I don't, is uh, most commonly used as an explanation for LDN works on many things, but I don't think that really adequately explains why it's effective treating mental health issues. Because um, endorphins make us feel good, but they also make us numb out, and they facilitate dissociation and totally disappearing. I think what's more significant is the upregulation of the opioid receptors so that they have a larger range of response uh, when they're confronted with problems. 
Number four, LDN may diminish stress and dysphoria as a result of reduced activity in the dysphoria-mediating kappa-dynorphin opioid system due to A, a mutually regulating relationship between mu and kappa, such that when mu is antagonized, activity at kappa also is moderated, and or B, LDN may directly antagonize kappa just enough to reduce kappa-dynorphin activity. And there, that has not been demonstrated. This is theory. An important question. Does the constant partial blockade caused by taking LDN two or three times daily compromise the benefit it provides for treatment of autoimmune disorders and other disease conditions? Be nice to have some research. In conclusion, LDN lacks the multitude of side effects and health risks associated with conventional first-line pharmaceutical mental health treatments. By analogy, LDN is the Shepherd David competing with SSRI and benzodiazepine Goliaths. And Malcolm Gladwell observed that Goliath was intimidating but severely compromised, and it was David who possessed the more potent weapon and proved the superior soldier. Final thought, if LDN works half as well for half as many patients as I'm suggesting, would it not be worth the minimal risk and cost of an LDN trial before utilizing riskier, more expensive, long-term long damaging, and often marginally effective first-line pharmaceuticals? Who would you choose, David or Goliath? Now, I want to share some of the client responses. Uh, when people went on the opioid antagonist uh, prior to the therapy session, uh, wow, it's nice to feel the ground. I've never felt my feet on the ground before. So that's a different perception of the body, feeling more grounded, literally. Um, another one, I couldn't have faced that without the naloxone. So that's the increased emotional regulation uh, and ego strength that comes with uh, being on an opioid antagonist. And a wave of numbness went through my legs and out. So this is an example of that increased uh, awareness of the body, body mindfulness, and actually increased uh, information processing during therapy and a shifting in physical state, uh, the numbness disappearing. Uh, I can't seem to back away from it the way I usually do, and yet it wasn't so bad. The voices have stopped. My groin doesn't hurt anymore. The headaches are gone for the first time in 10 years. So it's an example of somatic symptoms as well as uh, perceptual alterations. So the voices uh, reflecting uh, essentially the commenting of different parts of the self uh, and the internal conflict that was ongoing. I like it. It makes me not sad, sort of dozy. It stops my worry thoughts. So these are pretty significant examples uh, of uh, pretty profound uh, changes in mental state that uh, occur when you use opioid antagonists. Um, so 
after these cases, I saw a woman in her early 40s. She had a congenital heart malformation uh, attributable in all likelihood to her mother having been on thalidomide uh, during pregnancy. Uh, the heart partially reorganized in utero. She had severe attachment trauma and severe childhood medical trauma. And she had the socialist referred for anxiety originally. Uh, so she had been treated for epilepsy as a child with Dilantin. Uh, she also had pneumothorax as a child. Uh, psych she had a psychiatric admission as a young adult. Uh, she was suffering from chronic fatigue syndrome and rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, she was unable to tolerate uh, EMDR, and the focus was actually on the early in utero development, and usually that is fairly uncomplicated for people to do and not much negative effects for most people. Um, so she would call me uh, after that session and uh, essentially tell me that she had a receipt in her handbag, but she couldn't remember the session, so she had complete amnesia for the session. Uh, given that she had this dissociative response, uh, this is suggested uh, to her and discussed with her physician to go on naltrexone, 50 milligrams, and so there was an improvement in emotional regulation. Interestingly enough, also an improvement in chronic fatigue and arthritis pain, which is kind of the... Decreased pain is contrary to some of the findings in the literature, but uh, the problem with the 50 milligrams of naltrexone was that she started to bridge into old memories and became overwhelmed. So I had uh, read on multiple sclerosis and low-dose naltrexone um, on the web, uh, and so I suggested to her maybe we, she should try uh, a low-dose naltrexone, especially uh, given her history of uh, rheumatoid arthritis and chronic fatigue. Um, the interesting thing for me was that uh, low-dose naltrexone did not reverse analgesia like the higher doses did. Uh, when she went on no low-dose naltrexone, she had much decreased tachycardia and bradycardia, so speeding up and slowing down of the heart. Her blood pressure stabilized, and uh, essentially she was on a halter monitor at times, and she showed, it showed that the heart was working more on its own without a pacemaker more frequently. There was also and generally decreased fatigue and pain. Um, now, this is a case study of somebody with a dissociative identity disorder and the history of fibromyalgia. Uh, this person had amnesia for large parts of her life. She had multiple chronic health problems, chronic neutropenia, fibromyalgia, irritable bowel sym syndrome, etc. So... For her, 
essentially the first, uh, she was on a single daytime dose, uh, 0.5 milligram, milligrams, and slowly went to 0.7 milligrams, and then one milligram ultimately. Uh, the problem for her was uh, that the nighttime dose actually started to break through the amnesia and she started having nightmares. Uh, so with ongoing uh, uh, psychotherapeutic with an ongoing psychotherapeutic relationship uh, there was increased capacity to do ego state work there was an improved health status uh, uh, white blood cell count uh, decreased fibromyalgia and uh, decreased IBS so what's uh, the reason I want to talk about this uh, person is the dosage of uh, was really minute and uh, only with ongoing psychotherapeutic support was she able to increase the dosage uh, but even that only to a moderate extent uh, essentially the issue was as soon as the dosage was increased uh, she started breaking into amnesia into dissociated memories which she wasn't ready or capable to access at that point in time. So when you have significant uh, dissociative amnesia, uh, higher doses of even low-dose naltrexone can be contraindicated or can have uh, adverse effects and become quite destabilizing. Uh, this uh, was somebody who was referred for intractable pain uh, with complex regional pain syndrome. Uh, she also had an MS diagnosis, and she had amnesia for large parts of her life. Uh, she had initially been prescribed opiates, but then... Uh, withdrew, and she was on Ciprolex, Gabapentin, Nabilone, Sativex, and ketamine creams. So uh, some cannabinoids as well as ketamine for pain control, as well as an antidepressant and a mood stabilizer. Uh, uh, she was... Uh, prescribed low-dose naltrexone, 4 milligrams per day prior to seeing me, and uh, she wasn't able to tolerate uh, that prescription. Uh, essentially, was, she was breaking into memories. So when I started seeing her, her, I recommended that she should try to go down in the dosage uh, to 0.5 milligrams uh, BID, um, which she was able to tolerate. I saw her doing lens neurofeedback and also using that on the lens on the body, body lens on the K1 acupuncture spot. Uh, so she, she 
essentially had an underlying dissociative identity disorder, and she responded to ego state therapy, uh, and she was able to very slowly and gradually increase the naltrexone dose in 1.1 milligram steps. So again, uh, the issue being, well, ideally uh, a higher dose of low-dose naltrexone would be desirable given uh, the issues, uh, especially the MS diagnosis, uh, the dissociated uh, memories essentially start, there's a breaking through of those and it makes uh, higher dosages unfeasible uh, for, for the patient. Uh, this was uh, another person with a diagnosis of dissociative identity disorder uh, he had a severe attachment disorder and had previous history of uh, severe substance abuse. Also had an eating disorder. He had a significant history of birth trauma and significant childhood medical trauma as well as sexual abuse. Uh, he was on long-term low-dose naltrexone, 8 milligrams BID twice a day and lens neurofeedback uh, I was seeing him for. Uh, he had a massive increase in functioning. At the time, he had no interest in dealing with uh, underlying psychological issues, so he appreciated uh, the use of neurofeedback uh, and uh, using the naltrexone to help him stabilize. Um, so he had... He's, was able to uh, start going to university, and he uh, did well in his coursework. Uh, he was in a relationship uh, that broke up, and he developed uh, psychotic symptoms. Um, when that happened, uh, I suggested that the dosage be increased to 300 milligrams and uh, working in conjunction with his physician and uh, after being on 300 milligrams for a week he stabilized and went back on the 8 milligrams twice a day and he was now able to and willing to do more psychotherapeutic work rather than just only neurofeedback. So in this case uh, the low-dose naltrexone wasn't holding him, uh, and uh, after the major life stressor, which was related to his attachment history, uh, but a massive increase in the dosage actually was stabilizing for him. Um, different than uh, some of the other two cases I just uh, described, uh, the increasing of dosage was stabilizing rather than destabilizing. So he did not have any major issues with not wanting to remember. Uh, so in that sense, he was not dose limited, and uh, the, the higher dose was definitely more stabilizing for him. Uh, this was a case of depersonalization disorder. 
that was uh, person developed after an ecstasy experience. Uh, she also had a history of social anxiety and uh, a history of inadequate caretaking in childhood, so some attachment issues. She had been unresponsive to psychotherapy with regard to her depersonalization disorder, unresponsive to multiple medications, uh, there was a slight CT scan abnormality. Uh, the follow-up MRI interpreted the CT findings as artifact. Uh, however, there was also a slight EEG anomaly uh, that correlated with the CT scan abnormality, uh, but it was not uh, considered to be a seizure disorder. Uh, the neurofeedback map was consistent with a seizure-like focus, um, she was put on low-dose naltrexone on my suggestion, uh, and uh, there was uh, minimal improvement, but nothing to write home about. Um, if, as the low-dose naltrexone wasn't working, uh, uh, an increase in the naltrexone on dosage was utilized, going from 50 milligrams up to uh, 150 milligrams, uh, and then briefly 200 milligrams was uh, utilized. What was interesting that uh, the 150 milligrams was the optimal dosage, uh, whereas uh, going to 200 milligrams triggered anxiety and it was essentially less effective. Uh, I did multiple lens neurofeedback sessions, uh, about 50 in total, and there was ultimately normalized social and employment functioning and uh, normalized neurofeedback map. Uh, so when we talk about opioid antagonists, uh, uh, in general, uh, there's an increased functioning, uh, there's increased attention concentration, there's increased body awareness, there's increased mindfulness, increased emotional regulation and self-regulation, increased emotional tolerance, and increased ego strength. So these are pretty profound ways in which uh, the patient's lives are altered by the use of opioid antagonists, potentially. There's decreased dissociative symptoms, decreased derealization and depersonalization, decreased tonic immobility. It has an impact on flashbacks and intrusive symptoms, uh, decreased hypervigilance, decreased fearfulness and anxiety and panic symptoms, um, decreased anger, irritability, and rage, decreased vulnerability, decreased startle response, decreased emotional numbing and alexithymia, decreased amnesia, decreased somatization, and decreased self-harming behavior. It Opioid antagonists uh, increase mindfulness, they facilitate EMDR processing, they facilitate body-oriented psychotherapies like sensory motor psychotherapy or somatic experiencing, uh, 
and they increase the capacity of the person to in, to do hypnosis. Now, the interesting part is dosage effects with regard to naltrexone. There's there's some literature that suggests that there is a non-linear dosage effect uh, where very low and high dosages are most effective, but the intermediate dosages are less effective. So there's some suggestion that low dose may actually on presynaptic receptor sites and high doses may activate postsynaptic receptor sites. So... With regard to PTSD and dissociative symptoms, uh, generally I would say the target dose is uh, 0.06 milligrams per kilogram of body weight. Uh, This is the minimal dose that's effective in animals to reduce alcohol consumption. Now, in traumatic stress syndromes, I found that usually twice daily or even three times daily dosing seems to be more effective than once daily dosing. So usually twice daily dosing is sufficient. Uh, The interesting question there is, uh, is twice daily dosing uh, contraindicated for immune system disorders? Uh, That's ultimately an empirical question. Uh, I've had some clients uh, with a history of MS who had twice and PTSD who had uh, BID dosing and uh, the BID dosing seemed to be just as effective as the once daily dosing uh, but if that's, I don't know if that's the case uh, for everybody uh, who has an autoimmune disorder. But generally, uh, it seems at least in PTSD clients, uh, the twice daily dosing doesn't seem to be any less effective in autoimmune disorders, uh, at least when they're involved in ongoing psychotherapy. Um, If there's concern about unusual medications, side effects, or extreme sensitivity, um, usually I would recommend starting with 0.5 or 1 milligram dosages and titrate upwards. Uh, Low-dose naltrexone is usually uh, well tolerated and there's minimal side effects for most people. Um, um, Now... When somebody has been on low-dose naltrexone, it's uncomplicated uh, um, for them to go on to higher doses. So the higher doses will no longer trigger the withdrawal effect if somebody has been on a week uh, of low-dose naltrexone. And sometimes in traumatic stress syndromes, high doses are more effective. Uh, This seems to be in particular, be the case in depersonalization disorder and eating disorders. Uh, so some individuals respond better to increased dosages, and essentially, it's you got to base that on empirical trials uh, in conjun- working with a patient. Uh, 
Uh, high doses uh, definitely reverse analgesia, which is a potential problem if somebody needs emergency medical procedure or is uh, involved in a motor vehicle accident. With regard to extremely sensitive people, essentially keep in mind that sensitivity is essentially bottomless. So much lower doses uh, for extremely sensitive individuals or in people who have significant amnesia for large parts of their life because essentially uh, opioid antagonists are anti-amnestic. So people access memories and if they're not ready to access those memories, uh, uh, the higher dosages of uh, naltrexone are potentially problematic. Uh, so in, especially in those cases start with 0.5 milligrams or 1 milligram. Uh, some of them uh, need as low as 0.01 milligrams. Uh, I've had some clients who could not tolerate more than 0.01 milligram of naltrexone so, and even if you went to 0.02, they could not actually tolerate it. So these are some extreme cases of sensitivity. Um, and in my practice, I would say they all have an underlying dissociative disorder. Uh, I don't know if that's always the case, uh, but certainly in my practice, uh, I would query that if that is the case. And it doesn't mean, mean that people can't benefit even from some of the very low dosages, but essentially the ability to increase dosages is uh, very limited in those cases, especially outside a psychotherapeutic relationship. So what are the adverse effects in PTSD of using opioid antagonists? Uh, sleep, uh, there's bimodal effects. For some people, uh, uh, opioid antagonists improve sleep. For some people, they disrupt sleep. And usually, I think a disruption of sleep is associated with accessing memories in their sleep. Uh, so n essentially nightmare activity with evening dosages. If there is a nightmare activity with evening dosages, either discontinue the evening dosage or lower the evening dosage. For some people, as they're starting to break into amnesia, there's increased anxiety. Um, definitely there tends to be increased avoidance with uh, opioid antagonists, so... Um, you can get headache activity essentially if you're starting to break into dissociated material and there's a part of the self that's not ready to access it. Um, generally, there seems to be an increased need for attachment. So I found that people have difficulty uh, being on higher doses of naltrexone, even higher doses of low-dose naltrexone, and like reducing the dosage uh, when either their partner or pr primary therapist is not available. Uh, in certain contexts, 
there can be increased fear and rage response uh, because the panic and immobilization response is blocked. Uh, early on, sometimes uh, people can feel stoned uh, when they're used naltrexone, and it probably is uh, an increased receptor sensitivity uh, that happens with an ongoing stress response. And as mentioned earlier, then there can be the gastrointestinal effects, particularly nausea. Uh, and digestive problems uh, when you first introduce naltrexone. So to manage sensitivity, uh, if you have adverse effects, always try to lower the dose first. Occasionally there may be better response with higher doses, but that is much more likely to be problematic. So sensitive individuals start with uh, 0.1 milligram dose and go upwards, sometimes go as low as 0.01 milligram. Daytime dosing only if there's sleep problems uh, and work collaboratively with uh, uh, to establish do an optimal dosage. If uh, you supply your patient with uh, multiple different dosages, uh, they can mix and match and find their optimal dosage, and patients may choose to reduce the dosage if they feel too edgy. Uh, essentially, be careful if there's a lack of uh, therapeutic relationship and try not to introduce naltrexone too early in the therapeutic relationships. Uh, if there's inadequate rapport or the primary therapist is unavailable, or there's a lack of relationships in the client, or the client is in an abusive relationship and has no options, and if there's significant amnesia. These are all essentially issues or conditions where you want to be careful in introducing naltrexone too fast. If you introduce it too early, the likelihood of an adverse response is much higher. Once the relationship is uh, established, uh, it seems to be much easier tolerated. Um, keep in mind that uh, being on naltrexone, including low-dose naltrexone, it can potentially increase blood levels of other medications, so uh, there needs to be some caution if they need to be within a specific range and caution if they're in high dosages. Uh, you can trigger side effects from other medication because there seems to be increased absorption and augmentation uh, of the effects of other medications. Some of, some of this has been documented with improving antidepressant response and antipsychotic response in a number of studies. So naltrexone will boost uh, potentially the effects of other medications. And... So thank you very much. Any questions or comments you may have, please email me, linda, L-I-N-D-A, at ldnrt.org. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciated your company. Until next time, stay safe and keep well.